but I think the other spy films are farcical. Even like mm. James Bond, especially, I think is one for me. I rarely like. Well, yeah, like films. George isn't going to have any gadgets. Yeah. Like George doesn't have gadgets. He's like, not. Where's Q? <laughs> yeah. Where's Q? Where's the quartermaster? <laughs> this is set in England. Yeah. Where where's is the your Aston car? Martin? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> This is episode 116 of Flixwatcher Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast. We're joined today by Daryl. Hello. Jeanette. Hi. From the Sudden Double Deep Podcast. And always here is Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Fan of the show? Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FlixwatcherPod. Visit the website flixwatcher.tv for full listings and hit subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Just to let you know, guys, all films were available on Netflix UK at the time of recording. Please note, there will be some bad language and there will be spoilers. Hello, film fans. Welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. In our studio today, we have Daryl and Jeanette. If you would like to say hello to the listeners and tell them about the podcast that you do. Hello, listeners. Yes, uh, Jeanette and I were part of the Sudden Double Deep podcast. And on our show, we watched three films linked by a word in the title. So our very first episode, we covered Impact with Sudden Impact, Double Impact and Deep Impact. And more recently, we've covered Memories of Murder, Murder in the First and Dial M for Murder. How do you actually choose, A, first of all, that word that links and the films then? Because initially when you say murder, you're like, okay, uh, Murder on Orient Express. And, yep. and then if you don't choose that, it's like, why didn't you choose that one? <laughs> <laughs> I, I said no to Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, so there is a vetoing system. There is a vetoing system, yeah. Um, basically, we have we have what we call the hipster tin. It's a it's an enamel tin mug full of words. Um, and we've got enough words in there, I think, for the next two years. I think it's more like six now. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you so, just keep on thinking of words and like uh, dropping it in there? Yeah. So if you think of a good triple bill, you'll yeah. just yeah, pop it on a little bit of paper and chuck it in the hipster tin. And, uh, and yeah, we give it a good shake and take a word out at the end of every episode. But we also have Patreons that choose words for us now. Sure. So that if they think of an awesome triple bill, then they suggest that for us. Or, um, or yeah, sometimes people come up to us and they say, oh, we'd like to guest on this show. Can we pick a, a title word for you guys? Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been really exciting, like hearing other people come up and go, I've got an idea, I've got an <laughs> idea for a triple bill, uh, which is really fun. So do you often actually work it backwards from the, the triple bill that they've got rather than the word? Sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's easier to sort of build it round one film. Yeah. So like for my birthday pick, I wanted to do Big Trouble in Little China. Sure. Uh, so that meant I, could, I was like, oh, God, I have to pick something with big. So I did big and um, the... What was the other one I did? The Big Sick. The Big Sick, mm. yeah. Um, so that was really cool. And then that meant that Ben could pick The Big Lebowski to do as a deeper episode, which is one of his favourite movies. So yeah, sometimes you get to work backwards and sometimes you just, yeah. Work forwards. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so it was yourself, Daryl, that chose Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yep. Can you tell us why you chose it? And if you can do, um, a two-minute synopsis, well, you have to do it within less than two minutes because there's, there's an axe over your head. No worries. <laughs> oh, right there, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the reason I chose Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is because I love it. I really do. Um, it's it's one that kind of jumped up and bit me on the backside years back. I started reading the John le Carre books um, because, you know, I'm a 75-year-old man with a rocking chair and, and long weekends. <laughs> and, and a fondness for the Cold War. Yeah, yes. and a fondness for the Cold War. Well, actually, that's odd, but it is kind of part of this whole thing for that drab, brutalist aesthetic. Mm. 
uh, it's probably something in my character. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like even the Suspiria uh, remake from last year or reimagining. Uh, Reboot call? I don't uh, know. Whatever. Yeah. That, that <laughs> with the Cold War aesthetic in that as well. That, you know, the, You're the also style a massive uh, John le Carre fan as well. Yeah. Right? And yeah, like just generally the, the John le Carre novels and some of the adaptations are great. Mm. Some are bobbins. But. <laughs> well, this strikes me as a difficult... Because it was a, mini- a miniseries originally, this wasn't it? Yeah, well, Which, uh, there was the book, and then the miniseries is seven hours long, right? With Sir Alec Guinness in the George Smiley role, yeah. And uh, yeah, like condensing that down to two hours and seven minutes or whatever this is, is because it's always kind of frightening. I mean, originally, like Game of Thrones, which just finished, and I'm not a fan, Helen, but originally they thought about doing one film per book, and that and that, that sounds insane. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and nowadays with the proliferation of tv and netflix and stuff like that it's easier to and hbo just being the juggernaut yeah some things like that i would i would have thought if they're going to remake tinker tales or the spy even when they did remake it i would have thought yeah make it as the a long form narrative yeah, structure make it yeah. as a miniseries and, and yeah i mean together. recently we had park chan wook do uh little drama girl mm. um which was a film back in the early 80s yeah yeah and prior to that obviously we had uh tom hiddleston i he's called him hiddlesticks tom hiddleston <laughs> in, in the, the night, night manager, manager. yeah as well. well that was that was rather excellent it was yeah um and i'm look the way it's looking i'm sure we've got a, you know a long road of john le Carre adaptations i mean the guy's still kicking around he's still making books so yeah yeah there's so much, um, you know, backstory with his characters as well. So it's like if, if you, even if you just want to do one film, you know, you can do one quite happily with just one of his characters, yeah, because um, they're so well written, aren't they? Game of Thrones, but miserable Cold War stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones with spies. Yeah. So we've danced around a bit, but can you give us uh, your synopsis? And the time is starting now. Okay, right. So in the bleakest, darkest Cold War, 1973, George Smiley. Uh, played by Gary Oldman, is is wrenched out of uh, early retirement in order to spy on the spies at MI6 and root out a a Russian mole who has burrowed deeply within the upper floor of of the MI6. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. about a minute, right? <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Um, Helen, what were your thoughts on? Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or TTSS. Um, we're breathing no into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so uh, this is, I think it's my third time watching it. I saw it at the cinema. Um, I think this film's brilliant. Um, the adaptations you've already mentioned, um, they're pretty strong, but um, I haven't seen the TV miniseries, no. I don't know whether I'd prepared for seven hours. That's quite a lot, <laughs> long time. Whereas two hours is... Um, pretty good runtime for Mm. for what kind of happens in there um i think it's a really rewarding film and i know there's so many so many people who really hate it and find it really infuriating um but when i was re-watching it this time i made a list of sort of the cast so you've got john hurt mark strong colin firth gary oldman toby jones benedict Cumberbatch, stephen graham tom hardy Mm. and then you've also got basil exposition from austin powers and trigger (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's a really strong cast. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's kind of the cream of British uh, actors. And I guess when was this? When did this? When was this released again? Two thousand and eleven. So this is pre 
Tom Hardy and, and Benedict Cumberbatch being the, the tallest yes, stars they, they are were, now. Yeah. They, they were literally just coming up so in this their is, careers. This is almost like a youth training ground for those guys. Kind of, like, yeah. Learn next from to. the masters. Yeah, exactly. yes. Well, Tom Absolutely. Hardy's role, like Ricky Tarr, was uh, originally cast as Michael Fassbender. Yeah. And he had to he had to pull out of it due to um, X-Men, X-Men first class. Yeah. I think he's great in this. I think Tom Hardy's brilliant. Because he's, he's a bit more of a, um, he's kind of the guy that they send in on the ground to do the dirty jobs. Yeah. And I think like because he is quite young in this and he is a bit of a cheeky chappy, uh, I think it suits him really, really well. And he's one that legitimately kind of falls in love, which is, which yes. you think is like spy book 101. Don't fall in love. No, mm. never. Like, dude. <laughs> no kissing. It's one of the, like Tom Hardy, I think for me, I prefer him when he's kind of in a supporting role rather than a main role. He so, seems so to be Lock a little is like bit the worst better. film for you. Um, I mean, I, there are moments <laughs> that I quite like, but... Um, you didn't I, like Venom? I mean... I didn't see Venom. No, nobody did. Don't and the one... The, the, <laughs> you saw Venom. The no. one where he's two characters was a bit much. Oh, um, Legend. Legend, yeah. that was it. What <laughs> um, were your thoughts, Jeanette, on... Uh, I think this is a masterpiece. Mm. I mean, it's it's not only like John Le Carre does amazing spy novels. His stories are really, really rich and they're really, they are slow burns. Like I totally appreciate if you don't like a slow burn, this is not for you. Sure. Um, yeah. If you like your spy thrillers action packed, like choose something else. Um, but this is one of the most beautifully made films I think I've seen in a really, really long time. I've seen it quite a few times now. Um but yeah, the the detail and the the sort of the attention to detail, the attention to the time period mm-hmm. as well, um, the way it's shot, the way it looks, like it's just so rich. Like it's it's like the color palette's really muted to help you sort of really get into that time period, yeah. like that kind of it's seventies. Is that where we look? Seventy three, yeah, yeah. So like to look at that kind of really get you into that seventies mood. Um, but yeah, every shot is just beautiful it's absolutely gorgeous and every time i see it i kind of discover more about it that i like and you're like look at that shot like look at how that setup that's gorgeous um but yeah the the acting in it's stunning absolutely stunning i mean let's talk a bit more about the how it looks because this is shot by hoyt van hoytema who then who most recently did um the war film with tom hardy that's christopher nolan shot dunkirk that's the one ah. uh, so he re- recently shot that and that looks stunning as well yeah. i think he did let the right one in as well with thomas alfredson yeah so i okay. think he's like the, you know you have the parents yeah, guy yeah. yeah and as you say it's su- such a muted color palette but yet it looks immensely beautiful yeah and it's like the opposite of austin powers isn't it in yeah. terms of like <laughs> garrison's like opposite, opposite spy movie but even though it's so muted and gray and like dim oranges it really like really does draw you in because some of the half the image half the um, film is just on someone's face really yeah. closely and they're moving very slowly but yet you're like whoa yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, that lighting's incredible yeah, exactly. like if you're looking at it kind of objectively like if you've seen it and you you sort of you've already um you know you know the storyline you know what's going to happen yeah um because i think this is great as a as a suspense thriller as well it's actually quite tense in places um but yeah once you've sort of seen it the first time around the, the next time you can see it you kind of just yeah you just sit and sit back and enjoy it you're just like oh my god look at that look at the way that like look at that background like look at that wallpaper look at that haircut <laughs> look at those suits like it's just stunning i love it there's a lot of great hair in this yeah <laughs> some of it we had a conversation before um you were here about the hair uh, some of it's fake yeah, I, I, I believe it must be I am, and I'm some re- of it is real um that's actually benedict cumberbatch's real hair 
Ah, right. mm, so, so I, I'm, I was saying I'm very, yeah. very poor at recognizing Pretty wigs. sure. <laughs> nor, nor do I seek out bad wigs. It's not Mark Strong's real hair. That's definitely not Mark Strong's real hair. Does no. he have real hair? No. no. <laughs> as far as I know, no, he doesn't. Um, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch is actually quite fair naturally oh is that his normal hair yeah it? so we're used to too much used to uh, well, Sherlock we, yeah yeah we're yeah. used to Sherlock I used to work in the salon where he got his hair dyed black for Sherlock oh really um yeah so so yeah when he came in I'd sort of I'd, I'd, I'd giggle and squeak and run away because uh, <laughs> he's quite wonderful um but yeah that's that's more um that looks more like how he looks naturally but yeah because we're so used to having his hair dyed black and uh, that's that's what we think he looks like okay yeah what about Tom Hardy um, Tom Hardy's hair. That's just a. That's just an oasis cut, isn't it? I don't know if that's a wig or not, but that's just an oasis shag cut. It's a little bit yeah. fluffier than his usual hair. Yes. Yeah. Um, Gary Oldman's glasses. Stunning. <laughs> Crazy. Love them. I mean, how could he see through them before? <laughs> they're very focals. As far as I can figure out, they're actually very focals. I don't know if they're his real glasses because he is a glasses. I do wearer. hope not. <laughs> yeah, because that means he's really blind. But then that kind of adds to the George Smiley character yeah. mm. the fact that you know he's often you know seen as being very toad-like and oh, okay. those those you know the big kind of eyes in there that's that's definitely you know he's he's unassuming as but he well sees and all. he sees all absolutely he sees everything how is he is that how he's described in the books definitely he's 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 a wallpaper person he's somebody that you wouldn't pay any mind to mm. in any situation everybody underestimates him and that's part of the power of him i think that's what makes him one a good spy and two somebody that can you know makes um, him dangerous makes him very dangerous yeah there's a couple of moments in this as understated as everything is where he just implies something and and yeah he manages to bring him a grown man to tears yeah. it's, it's, it, it's yeah he's he's kind of the master smiley um is kind of the master of the uh, the very very subtle dig like he's he's great at kind of really cutting uh cutting someone down without actually doing anything yeah. like he's he's a very subtle man and um i think gary oldman's perfect um to play this kind of guy well i think understated and muted is like the two <laughs> two of the biggest adjectives that describe this film. yes because i think the first big scene is when mark strong goes to budapest gets shot mm -hmm. and if you were to leave at that point you might think oh this is going to be Shoot him all yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, spy exactly. film, almost like proto James Bond, but it's yeah. just like that's the biggest thing that happens. Yeah, like <laughs> even then, even when Mark Strong then shoots the mole. Yeah, I don't know. If, I'm not sure if we're going to no, explain that's, it yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah, that's such a that's such an understated scene because normally yeah. that would have been you would have seen blood sprayed everywhere. It would have been oh, like he'll be doing head, it with a sniper face. rifle from like six miles away. Yeah, you know, with a with a laser sight, and it probably would have been a missile or something, not a gun. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. would have been it would have been a bazooka. I do love the fact that yeah, that beginning in Budapest and that getting shot in Mark Strong getting shot in the back there, and yeah, it's even for an action scene, it's understated. But then the ramifications of that one violent act, mm. it then. It, it decimates MI6. Mm -hmm. it, there's a whole change of the guard. You know, the, the, the old guy's out. You know, John Hurt as control is out. Yeah. And and Gary Oldman's out. And then, you know, your Alaline, your, your lovely Toby Jones as a ferocious Scottish terrier, <laughs> uh, works his way up the food chain, uh, along with Kieran Hines and Colin Firth and David Denick. And, and yeah, it just totally obliterates the old guard and the old system. And I just love from that one very subtle uh, spy faux pas, yeah. you end up with a complete change in, in everything. 
And we kind of, you, you get the impression that there's something very, very wrong. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And all these guys are kind of desperately scrabbling to kind of control this situation, but not all of them really know what's going on. So it's kind of, they're all trying to give the impression that they know exactly what's going on and exactly who's doing what and, you know, who's in control. And it's not. Without realising yeah. there's an actual mole. There's an actual Russian mole just sitting around, you know, taking note of everything. Yeah. It's really cool. Let's be honest. Without you, you read the books, but did, do you understand what was going on the first time you watched it? guys let's do a quick round table <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um i mean i wouldn't have been able to kind of recite it but i kind of i could follow it just about yeah yourself yeah i think so yeah again it's one of those like it does it does require a bit of a repeat view um because yeah obviously i didn't read the book before I, before i saw it but i think you can figure out what's going on i don't think it's that kind of it's so cerebral that it just flies straight over your head like it's it's complicated yeah. but it's you have to pay attention i think some of the complexity for me lie lay in the names of people oh right and then the, sometimes i thought i didn't know if Alaline was his real name or it's like a code mm. name or right and like when they assigned Tinker Taylor Soldier's Pies, like, which one was that? Which one Which one are you talking Which one's Tinker? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. They do refer to each other by name quite a lot yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. So but it's, but it's still like, because as you said, as a cast of thousands, it's still hard yeah. to like, <laughs> it is a big what's cast. going on. Like Ricky Tar um, for me, I didn't know who that was the first time I watched it. I kind of, I got a bit confused as to Carla. Yes. So who Carla is. So that that kind of a couple of times they're saying, oh, it's Carla. You're just like, who, who the who fuck is she? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Is well, it that Russian or that Russian? I can't well, listen, remember. So you had Carla control in the circus. Yes. And I thought they were like an amorphous, like they're, right. they're the bodies. Uh, and it's only like reading afterwards I re- learned the circus was there. The circus name. is yeah. MI5. Yeah. yeah. And MI6 control is the, MI6. Yeah. yeah control this, is the This film the does not piss about. No. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it, if you think the... The series in the late seventies was seven hours mm. to tell this exact story, and I only watched that for the first time about two months ago. The and series, yeah, yeah. Okay, and you know just... what? It you don't lose anything, sure, by condensing this down into this two-hour film because this is so. Like, six months to edit this, and it's so relentless. It takes no prisoners. The lingo they use is, you know, it's it's the lingo that John Le Carre and his fellow spy agents were using mm. because you know, write what you know, that's what John le Carre did. He was an MI6 agent. And his cover, whilst working in Berlin in the, in the late 50s and 60s, was he's an author of spy novels. <laughs> yeah, how amazing is that? But yeah, so this is, this is all the lingo that he was using. And it's, yeah, this, this does not piss about this film. It, it does not take prisoners. It just picks you up by the scruff of the neck. And if you're not getting it... Uh, Tough yeah. shit. Basically, the finish line is two hours and eight minutes that direction. Um, how does it compare then? Does it does, it, does this miniseries take more time to explain? Um, this is MI6, but we call it Circus. No, anyway, that guy there is tinker, none of that. It's just it? very slow going. Right. Like everything takes a lot longer to get to the point. Yeah. Uh, very drawn out. Like you can almost hear a grandfather clock ticking in the back of every single scene. Uh, it kind of did my head in a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, Gary Oldman. Uh, for the win, I think. Yeah, yeah, personally. always. Oh, yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. So Gary Oldman for Obi-Wan Kenobi in the next iteration. Well, let's not have a... <laughs> <other iteration. laughs> Gary Oldman for anything. Yeah, yeah Well, much. he can play anything. Like, I'm I'm truly convinced the man could be anyone. Like, looking back at his career, like, the man's been Dracula. He's been a dreadlocked pimp. He's been a <laughs> drug adult. Yeah, he's been yeah. Sid Vicious. He's been a drug adult American police chief. Like, yeah. he's he's just a chameleon. I think he's amazing. 
and yeah, just recently being Churchill as well. So and winning for Churchill. I'm winning for Churchill. Was he? Was anyone nominated for? Was anything nominated for this? Um, um for this I think film? it's probably more. I think you got three. Director. Yeah, I think it might have got three nominations, but not a chance. Of no winning. win. I, mean, I think this is this is his best performance. Gary Oldman. Yeah. Oh really? I think so. Let's have a think on that whilst we're going into. I think I think the, the, he's done a lot of really really fun things, but I think this just came came at the right time for him and just upped his game and just that little bit. Should we head into the scores, guys? Sure. Sure. Welcome to the spreadsheet of dreams. So our scoring system is out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. The lowest you can have is a zero. And we will start with you, Daryl, because you picked it with the recommendability, please. Okie dokie. So recommendability score. Now, this is going to seem quite shocking, (laughs) but I'm going to go with a 3.8 because this isn't for everyone. And it's not that, it's, you know, it almost feels like that 90s extreme thing, like, this ain't your mama's spy movie. <laughs> but it's it's definitely... So it's, was that a thing? I don't know, but like, you know, like where the 90s, where everything was extreme with, with a capital X. And yeah. this is extreme. the complete antithesis of that. Because, yeah, like, you know, if you think last year we had Mission Impossible hyphen fallout with, uh, you know, with, with well, Mission Imp, where he's Mission Imping about <laughs> in the most amazing, spectacular ways possible. Yeah. And we've had Bond films for years. And even the more subdued ones, like, yeah, even the more subdued ones, I think, are still more science fiction than spy movie. Yeah. And we come um, like Jason Bourne is like, in the yeah. Whole- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And Jason Jason Bourne, I think, kind of misses out on this as well. This is a syrupy, slow, mellifluous kind of. For some people, will find this a drudge. Mm. Uh, I know that, and that's totally cool. I totally get it. It will might not be your cup of tea, but if it is, I mean, this is extremely my shit. This is, <laughs> this is totally your jam, isn't so, it? Three point eight for you, Jeanette. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it a four for recommendability because most of the people I know probably will dig this. The people who who we hang out with and and our friends and sort of people in the film community, like I don't think community, yeah, yeah, (laughs) especially like the Twitter film community as well. They want to see films that kind of blow your head back a little bit. You know, people tend to want to see these kind of films. So yeah, I'd say by the people I know, I know that they would all really enjoy this. So I'd say like totally a four. Yeah, Helen. For the same reasons that you gave it, but I'm going to give it a four. You know, if I was rating this how much I like it, then I'd give it a five easily. Um, but not everyone's going to like it. So but I'm only going to take one point away from it. I'm going to go for 3.5. Um, same reasons you two have said on the other side of the table, but I've been a bit more stringent because it is a hard ask. And I asked my wife if she, she saw it by herself and she said she really enjoyed it and I asked if she wants to watch it again. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's the... There is a slow-paced nature, and I think you have to be kind of in the mood to watch it as well. Yeah, um, oh, I mean, sure. it, it is only two hours. There are a lot of other films that like are it. a lot longer than this, I've and say a lot less, I've and are not made as well either. Unless you're quite happy to play the time card, depending on how how much you like the film or not. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot going yeah. on. There is, there is a lot. Because sometimes on. two hours is a long time for you. Yeah, it but, is. But two hours in this case is fine. <laughs> because there's like there's just so much going on. I don't have time to be like yeah. oh, looking at my watch, going hurry or a bit. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going three point five. People who want, if you say it's a spy film, yeah, they're going to think one way, like like you said, Daryl. And um, but I think the other spy films are farcical. Even like mm. James Bond, especially, I think is one for me. I 
rarely like any well, yeah, like, films. George isn't going to have any gadgets. Yeah. Like, George doesn't have gadgets. He's like, not. Where's Q? <laughs> yeah. Where's Q? Where's the quartermaster? <laughs> this is set in England. Yeah. Where where's is the your invisible Aston car? Martin? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, this isn't, this is about your wits. This is about using your mind and your mm. brain. It's a much more cerebral kind of spy thing. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it isn't going to be for everybody, but I think it'd be a real shame if people didn't watch it because yeah. they wanted explosions. Do we think this is based on your, your brief bio of John the Carrey here? Is this the most accurate representation of a spy film, do you think? I think it's definitely up there. Mm. You can't believe it happening. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it, it's, um, you know, not all spies are Green Berets. They don't all get up and drink five eggs for breakfast and go out running and, yeah. and you know. That's rocky. <laughs> yeah, but also like you know they, they're not all mixed martial artists yeah. they don't all you know get into hand-to-hand combat sometimes they just need people to listen to the phones for 12 hours and that's you know that's a lot of spy work is really dull like and i think it's it's been very sexed up yeah. um you know being what being a spy is all about has been very very sexed up over the past couple of decades and i think there's some space for a little bit of boring old surveillance I wonder if there's been any, um, like, when you get admissions to MI6 and they just look at the other interviews, okay, which which spy films do you think most closely <laughs> relates to what we do? Wouldn't that be yeah. lovely? And they go like, Austin Powers, get out. Yeah. <laughs> Leave. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, repeat viewing score, Daryl. Okay. Simply um, by virtue of the fact that I've now seen this quite a few times, uh, given this a 4.8, I see this probably once a year. And just to kind of bathe in Hoyt van Hoytma's visual aesthetic <laughs> and, the, you know, the score, which is Alberto Inglésis. Um, this is it's weird. We were actually chatting on a uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago about uh, Tron Legacy and how that, I'd call that a mute button bar film. Like you could just have that on in the background of the bar on a big screen yeah. while everything else is going on. And you just every now and then go, ooh, and look at it. You could totally do the same with Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah. Like you could just have that on somewhere and every now and then people would go, Oh, nice curtain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, like one of the scenes we saw a few times was um, swimming in Hampstead Ponds. Yes. And I was like, Oh, actually that looks quite interesting. And, it was, yeah, and, yeah. It, and he had his glasses on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sw- swimming with his glasses. I thought, dude, that's, I mean, if you lose those glasses, yeah, you'll be yeah, fucked. Down clearly. the bottom of the ponds. Yeah, exactly. You, know? <laughs> you ain't diving for those. <laughs> um, Jeanette. Um, so repeat viewing score. I mean, this is really hard because like, I love this film. Mm. So I'll always quite happily sit down and watch Tinker Tailor. Um, you know, but it's, you know, again, it's like, is this a drop of the hat? Watch rewatch or would you think? I do need to be in the mood, I guess. Um, cause I also like quite silly films as well. I'm definitely the, the, the silliest one of the podcasts. Like when it comes to our film choices, Daryl's like the, the big, big epic uh ones and uh ben's more into his asian cinema and i really like the silly stuff so so yeah maybe like maybe i'll give this like a four i reckon for repeat viewing i will definitely watch it again and you know i love watching it every single time so yeah maybe a four yeah mm-hmm. um, i'm also going to go for a four um i think it's really really rewarding to watch it again because there is so much going on but to only watch it once really doesn't do it justice mm. because once you kind of get into the second time watching it, you can kind of remember the main plot points, but there's just so much else going on that you can really absorb yourself in it. And it's just, I mean, it is over two hours, but the pace of it is just continuous throughout that it, it just doesn't really sag. 
No. And I, th- I think like as well, like the acting in it is so wonderful that sometimes like because rewatching it again the other night, it was like I'd forgotten how subtle some of the performances are. And, and you know, they'll they'll convey so much with like a lift of an eyebrow mm. or like, you know, just just ever so subtle movements. And it's just like just reminding yourself of these performances. Um, I think it's definitely, you know, worth endless rewatches because you'll never you'll never remember all of it, you yeah. know. Um, this is my second time watching it. The first time I was at the cinema. And it's one of those films where I thought, I should watch that again. And then never got around to it. <laughs> yes, I should watch that again. Um, and I think because it is, it is, it's not a drop of the Harry watch. No. Um, that's the reason I haven't watched it again up until now. Um, but it, I, ultimately, like you guys have said, it's something that deserves rewatching because there's so many things to take out of it. And I think it's going to be a, a shorter time between my next rewatch because I want to rewatch it again and, and look at things again and try and pick up things which I missed and didn't understand without Wikipedering. Um <laughs> So I'm going to go for 3.7, I'm going to say. Here you for love a decimal score. point, don't you? Yeah, go as far as you want. <laughs> Let's go for small screen score. Daryl. Okay, so I've gone 4.2 for this. All right. Um, I, did, you, did you watch this in the cinema? I did not. In the 2011, what was I doing in 2011? Doesn't even bear thinking about. You were at uni, real. right? Uh, probably yeah by then yeah I was a bit of a late you were too busy having God. fun probably no I, I didn't <laughs> I, I missed the, the cinema so I couldn't tell you like big screen wise but and then you know watching at home big old telly but like <laughs> I, I, I think you could totally yeah with the, the small screen this isn't big razzle dazzle spectacle where you need the biggest you don't need IMAX for this movie <laughs> you don't need that uh, so high yeah, def for sure totally yeah i could totally sit back with with the ipad on you know have a paddle in the bath well we're talking <laughs> really t- tv scenario not not necessarily ipad it's uh the, sm- the home viewing yeah well then yeah, yeah totally like yeah. no no worries yeah i think i think you'd miss out on a lot if it was anything less than how big is our telly it's 40 something yeah i'd say i'd say watching it on like a, a laptop screen i think you'd really miss out on quite a lot of the detail and kind of the the color palette would just you'd end up fiddling with the buttons do you know what i mean you yeah. might be brightening it or <laughs> like it's just like leave it alone it's fine it's fine as it is um, um so for yourself then Jeanette? oh small screen score i'm gonna say three um because like i say i i just think it's not this kind of film i would much rather see it bigger rather than smaller because there's so much detail yeah. and and yeah i just think it deserves to be seen quite like telly size for sure like no bigger than t- no smaller than telly just yeah helen um well having seen it at the cinema i enjoyed watching it at the cinema and i like watching it on the big screen but also i quite enjoyed watching it on my my tv at home i don't th- think i mean other than it being bigger there wasn't really anything I can get from that and I think also with it being on Netflix if you are a little bit like can't sit down for two hours then you could conveniently give yourself a little break if you needed it do you think so to well if someone's gonna go I'm not gonna watch it because Mm. it's two hours just say well give yourself a little break have an intermission yeah have a little intermission you can do that on Netflix um and also I just think it's a really great film and it's on Netflix available for you to kind of watch at your leisure and um yeah so I uh, I'm gonna give it a five I think oh, wow. I, and also I think because obviously there's already been the the original TV version was made for TV I think there's a certain back in the, back in the 70s, 70s yeah, yeah. So that would have been yeah that would be quite murky just because of it is lenses. super murky yeah for sure I think yeah. it kind of works that way and also there's this when you're watching it at home you kind of get 
sucked in a little bit more to kind of like the more claustrophobic elements of it and i felt it was a little bit closer so i think it's it's perfectly fine to watch on your tv so this time around i i watched it on ipad because i was traveling a lot so i so downloaded religious. it religious yeah i didn't have time to sit down on the tv and watch it at home so watching the train um does not does not work that well on a small oh. screen for me uh, i saw it in cinema as well and was completely enveloped by it, even though like i said we talked about the music color palette mm-hmm. um and everything kind of draws you in a bit more i think with the biggest is nice seeing their faces moving slowly bigger <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna go for three and a half here for a small screen score i think i think we i preferred it in the cinema um i'd have loved time. to have seen it in the cinema i didn't actually catch it in the cinema but i yeah i i can imagine it being like completely submersive like i really would have got into it if it was massive yeah um so yeah i just i can't this is not the kind of film that you would watch on your phone no, no. do you know what i mean well, you'd people, never, no do, never do that well some people do these, well, i know but i don't they're... want to use the term monster but you know i might well i think when i went to the cinema a group of friends i was with someone fell asleep no yeah, no i no. totally get that i do <laughs> he had a little yeah. snooze and they're like, what happened? I was like, oh, I can't explain it. It's far too complicated. There was a mole. did that in uh, Spectre <laughs> when I took him to see that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, I've not seen it. right out. Sounds sleepy. <laughs> Very dull. I think the last film I fell asleep in was one of the, one of the pirates. Oh, uh, fair and enough. the second or third one. Fair dues. I get it. Yeah, I yeah. do. Like, this, is, this is gash. <laughs> should, have stopped, should have stopped to the first one. Should have stopped to the first one. Uh, engagement score then. All right, wicked. Um, <laughs> engagement score... I'm going to give this five. Absolutely. Uh, again, I watch this every single year and I will watch this again and again. Do you have like an anniversary date? Have you oh, got it in the calendar? It's funny. It's like I since using Letterboxd, I, uh, I'm like, oh, I, let's I'll watch, you know, I, I think I'll give Tinker Tailor, watch, dust off my, my Blu-ray and uh, and then go to like, because every single film, you know, I have to log it. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, I watched this last year. Oh, and the year before, oh my word. And yeah, and the year before that. Does it tell you when you've, what? How yeah, does... yeah. It just gives you exactly when, when you watched it okay, in that, previous years as uh, well. I was wondering what the, the extra benefit of Letterboxd is versus other things that are kind of available. Like a notebook. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, working title. Pull their finger out and and get the uh, Smiley's people, which is the third in the Carla trilogy made. Which is the like they skipped the middle one with the uh, mini series in the early late seventies, early eighties as well, and went straight on to Smiley's people, which was the second where you had Alec Guinness reprising his role as George mm. Smiley. And Gary Oldman in an interview about two years ago was like, well, the script in place, the script's there. They're just waiting for everything to to, oh, really? to happen. And I think after Tom's Alfredson's um, The Snowman. Which was was by all means, by oh, all was, accounts. Yeah, I think oh, he got burnt good. by The Snowman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was not good. So fingers crossed. But yeah, for me, that's that's a five. Definitely. Jeanette? Um, this is engagement, right? Yes, engagement. Engagement. Um, well, for me, it's a five. You know, I'm sure it's going to be different for everyone, but yeah, this is this is kind of how can you not be engaged by this? How can you not be totally sucked in by this? Yeah. It's just yeah, it's it's so beautiful, and yeah, John the Carry stories are brilliant anyway because I feel like they're just a nice uh, a nice level of complicated. Like they're not they're not ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? They're not they're not stupidly complicated, but you do have to pay attention, and you do have to like you can't you can't browse Twitter whilst this is on. So do you think like the Night Managers was a n- nice level for miniseries because it Definitely. had a bit of action, it had a bit more it had sex and intrigue in it as well. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this is like very little action at the start, some at the end, 
Less sex. Less sex. Much less sexy, yeah. yeah. Although <laughs> they might have focused a bit on the, the infidelity kind of storyline yes. a bit. It might have had time for that. In the series, sure. they did a bit more. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just one of those things from the from the, the books is the fact that George Smiley's uh, wife is, she comes from um, a higher class, Yes, to say, and uh, she just gets very bored and, yeah, infidelity left, right and centre, so to speak. <laughs> um, Helen? Um, I am also going to go for A5. You have to give it your full attention. If not, you're just not going to get the experience out of it. And as a case in point, um, I sort of half watched The Little Drummer Girl Mm -hmm. um, and I was like faffing about my phone and not really giving it my attention. And I don't really know what happened in that. So um, that was my fault. (laughs) Should have learned. Um, And yeah, all the times I've watched it, I've, I've just been so engaged because you just have to be. Otherwise, you don't know what's going on. I'm also going to go for five here and that's going to be based on the first time watching it because the second time, like I said, iPad on a train just doesn't really work. But yeah, it, the first time it's just like, oh, wow. <laughs> Smiley's got a huge face with huge glasses. <laughs> yeah, his big it's owl that, eyes. That, that ridiculous detail. You don't, it's not many, it's not often in films that they spend so much time on people's faces and you're like, enthralled by it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for, for a five here. Wow. Um, and that gives us 4.2. One eight seven five. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's very strong. That is, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Excellent. This cool. have, for a film that's so complicated, I think that could have quite easily, um, yeah, yeah, gone, gone, lower. Gone score. the other way. So we always reach out to people on Twitter before we record, and in this case, we said uh, we put a tweet out saying we're reviewing Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with uh, STD Film Podcast. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts for an on-air shout out on Flix Watcher, and a few people got back to us. Um, so. Daryl, do you want to take us uh, through the first one? Okie dokie. So, um, top film tip. Uh, after losing control, X-Spy must weed out Double Agent from Circus and expose witchcraft in MI5 um, uh, midst. So, yeah, Secrets and Lies, Whispers and Spies, Intelligent Intelligence Thriller. Nice. I believe that's five little spies out of five <laughs> little spies. <laughs> and we, little and spies. He calls it MI5. With, was, MI6. It's definitely MI6. Oh, yeah, Witchcraft was another thing that confused me. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, well, this is, yeah, witchcraft. It's all of the jargon yeah. that in this, for sure. And they, they don't stop. Like, most films no. would have a, well, witchcraft is actually the yeah. secret operation from, like, you'd get that. Yeah. We don't, like, Basil Exposition is the thing that does not really exist in this film, no. really. No, we don't no. get any of that. And that's what makes it rewarding, going back to it. And um, I, think to, I think it's great for that. You have to, like, think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, like, spooned into your ears. You have to be like, oh. But I think that's why. Because you had Circus and you had Control. Control was a person, Carl was a person, but then Circus wasn't a person. I was like, okay, so what? <laughs> Am I looking for a, a dog? What's- I liked the kind of more, um, the more subtle stuff, like when they said, oh, yeah, um, well, he went off to become a lotus eater. And like, you really have to think about that. And it's like, oh, he became like, he, so he went off and like lived on his own like a monk. Do you know what I mean? So we got like, scalp hunters whoa. as well, which and you got is, the lizard fund, which yeah. is the retirement fund. Like, so it's like all go. of these really like subtle little things that they just drop in. I might you have to really think about. Next them. time, I might just make a little glossary <laughs> <laughs> of spy talk. Where's the where's the watch oh, out for? Oh, watching companion for John Le Carre. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little reference book you can look up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Helen. Um. So the next one is from. Liam H. Dempsey, lean, wonderfully stylized, star-studded reimagining of Le Carre's source material. Alden plays tribute to Guinness's portrayal of George Smiley, whilst very much putting his own stamp on the iconic role. And he's gone for four stars. Nice. 
uh, LH Liam H Dempsey, uh, former guest on on Sun Double Deep, and former guest on here as well with the, yes. with the spotlight. Yeah. Um, Donald, going to take the last one. Gotcha. Um, right, five. One of my all-time favorite movies, a spy film that actually goes some way towards showing the real side of spying. Example: uh, It's slow, patient, dishonest, and depressing work. Uh, some amazing performances as well, and that's uh, Pete Langelt. Yeah, he gives that one a five. And yeah, he gave and it a someone five. also put a cat gif on there. I'm not sure what that refers to, but thank you for that. <laughs> I'm yeah. enjoying that. Anything that anything with a cat will will curry yes. Helen's favour. More cats. More cats in the world. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for coming on. Uh, can you sign off by telling people where we can find you online? And you guys do talk about your Letterboxd accounts on your on your podcast, so do. Yeah, I'm I'm that. not on Letterboxd, but um, Daryl and our co-host Ben are yep. on Letterboxd. You can find Ben um, on Twitter and on Letterboxd as BenjiBox, um, and that's BenjiBox with a Y. Uh, as we like to well, I like to say on the podcast. Um, but yeah, you can find uh, Sun Double Deep on Apple Podcasts and anywhere where you find podcasts, pretty much. Um, and you can find Daryl lurking about on Twitter at SDD Film Podcast. It's SDD Film Podcast. Yeah. Um, Just in case. SDD Film, film podcast. podcast. Well, you know, we get this a lot anyway when somebody goes, oh, you got a f- podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Sun Double Deep. And they go, is it? Porn films? <laughs> no. And then SDD no. Film Podcast, not STD Film Podcast. Ah, Thank you very sure. much. Is that yeah. something that came to light after you started? Oh, yeah. That oh, was a eureka moment well like, after the oh, fact. No. Yeah. Too late now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Miss J Soundtrack. Um, and you can find us on Instagram as well at STD Film Podcast. Fantastic. Well, cheers for coming on, Thanks guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for inviting us. It was a pleasure. Us. Thank you. Bye. 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 Enjoy listening to Flickswatcher podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts. Why not leave us your five-star review on iTunes and follow us at FlickSwatcherPod on Twitter. Thank you, Rachel Jordan, for editing this podcast and making it sound so smooth and slick and sweet. And thank you very much to Mighty People for the tunes that you all are enjoying now.